0: Okay, Susan, if you want to introduce yourself, um, and then if you all want to share what brought you to Otter Creek, and that sort of thing, too, if you want to go ahead and do that. (laughs) Um,
1: Okay, I am Susan Knox. I am married to David Knox, (coughs) who is the um, newly, uh, what's the title, uh, adult discipleship minister, He was the middle school youth minister for 12 years and in August, transferred, I don't know what you would say, transitioned into this new role, so that's really fun. Um, We have two kids, five and two, um, Margo and Leo. Um, What brought me to Otter Creek was I started dating David. Uh, I did not, I kind of was hopping around different places, but I was at Harpeth Hills and we started dating and I was like, I guess I go here now. Um, But I really love it And um, I honestly don't think I would have um, Come to Otter Creek Had we not Because um, I grew up very conservatively The first time that I came um, David and I didn't even sit together Like we (laughs) I don't think I even saw him until I left And he was like okay what do you think And I started crying because I was like, oh, no, there's women, like, reading scripture on stage. Oh, no, what am I going to do about that? <clears throat> and now, I love it. And here, and here we are. And now I'm teaching in front of men. You know, yeah. In front Careful. of baptized men. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
0: what uh, So what roles did you play in the past, and what roles are you in now at Otter Creek?
1: Oh, that's a great question. In the past, let's see, I... Um, I loved the coffee ministry. I loved it because I get to see a lot of people before we before they redid the gathering room. The there was a how was it set up? I'm trying to think now. There was kind of a wall yeah. and a and a uh, what's this called a bar? A bar. <laughs> I was trying to think. I could countertop. But everybody would come up and you could talk, and I mean, which is still how it is now, but I really loved that. Um, I was a huddle group leader with middle school and then a covenant group leader um, for high school girls. Um, I'm trying to think. I've, I've taught in this class before in the past, you know, past years, and I really loved, um, on Wednesdays, we used to do a conversations class, which was really awesome that Patrick led. And oh, don't you guess he still does that now, right? Um, okay. at, does he do it? Is it, what's it? I Keep looking at you guys because, like, I'll, I know you and I know that you know what I'm trying to say. But anyway, so I loved that. I loved being a part of that too. So.
2: And then taught a college class.
1: Oh yeah, we did okay. teach a college we did. class.
2: DTRs
1: we sure did. That was really great. Though. When was that? I enjoyed that. That was. Pre-COVID. Yeah. 2019, yeah. okay. probably. Yeah. I think yeah
0: so and then so if you can share with us what do you most enjoy about being at Otter Creek
1: hmm what do I enjoy most Um, I mean there's there's lots of things is what I'm trying to think I mean just probably the relationships that I've been able to build um, I was talking to someone even last week and we were talking about, um, so I've heard quite a few people um, that have said that Nashville is a really hard town to get involved in that, that it, or to make friends with. And if you didn't go to school in town, if you didn't already have some kind of roots, if you just moved in kind of cold turkey, it's hard to find a community, or f- it's hard to like break into a community, right. is what I've heard. And I thought, I mean, I don't feel like that's true, but also I went to Lipscomb and I'm from the South and <laughs> I just feel like I know a lot of people, so maybe it's, you know, I don't have the right perspective. But then I started thinking of when I, like I said, Dave and I first started dating and then we got engaged and we got married, and I was in this weird position of we were, I was 27 when we got married. So I was, like, on the older end of the young professional, you know, or of the, you know, of the group at the time. Um, But it was a new, but I was a newlywed, but we didn't have kids. And so I felt like there was this weird, this weird thing of, like, well, but I want to be invited to hang out with those (laughs) people. But... Those people aren't married, so I guess I don't think that I could. It was like, or, or I want to be invited with those people, but, like, but we don't have kids. It was just a weird. So it really has felt, Dave and I have been married for 10 years, and a little over 10 years, and it has really felt like maybe over the past five years that I've felt like I've got a good, solid group that I feel connected with or that I could call on or, you know, I felt like, there were lots of people that I knew and that cared for me and I cared for, um, but all that to say the relationships and just putting in the work of like reaching out to people and asking them for lunch or sending them a text or kind of like doing the work of being a, um, which is a great segue into what.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, yeah. Speaking of which, why don't you go ahead and let us know which text you chose and why. Can, okay. You can read it for us first, or someone can, then we can go from there.
1: Yeah, so the verse I chose was Proverbs nineteen twenty. 20. Um, listen to advice and ex- <coughs> accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Um, I am um, a six on the Enneagram. For those of you who know anything about that, that means I'm a future thinker. I want to be prepared for the future, um, which which is great because I'm usually very prepared. However, that, uh, that also means I'm not great at reflecting or thinking back mm. on things. So um, so when you asked me to to help lead this class, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Like, I've learned so many things. In my, and then once I really started thinking about it, I was like, oh, my goodness. I really have a hard time pulling, you know, at t- times. that Because I just don't take time to reflect and, like, Sit in the past a lot. Um, But um, over the past, well, let me say this and then let me give a little background. So I worked (laughs) in the music industry for 14 years up until last April, and I worked for a management company, it was enjoyable, and then it wasn't enjoyable anymore, and it was time to do something different. And so, um, a friend of mine that I knew at Fried Hardeman, where I started college, um, she she owns a nonprofit. She's a co-founder of a nonprofit called Kindred Exchange. And the whole main idea of Kindred Exchange is creating. I, I, don't, I don't. I tune it out. So not at all. Um, the whole idea of Kindred Exchange is helping create spaces and teaching others to have kindred exchanges. Very, you know, (laughs) literal. Um, That has come in a lot of different forms through blog, through... We have a podcast. Uh, Anyway, I I now work for this nonprofit, part-time. And it it was a bit of a shock going from music industry, secular music industry, to... The first time I had a Zoom call with them, they're like, "So, where do you like, where do you usually see the Holy Spirit working in your daily life?" And I was like, ah. <laughs> "Wait
0: a minute,
1: <laughs> especially in your work," is what the question I was. I was like, "I'm mm, gonna right. need to get back to you on that one. I've never been asked that question, nor have I ever thought about that in a, in the secular sense. You know, I'm sure a lot of people do, but I just hadn't. So, anyway, um, it was." It has been, the past year has been, year and a half working with them has been such a healing thing for me for many different reasons. Um, but but one thing that I have learned, and here's where the wisdom part comes in, is, um,
3: hi. Okay. Um,
1: one thing <coughs> that I have learned and that I have been taught through working with this organization, is the idea of mutuality, um, which is also a great, the sermon today about loving your neighbor and everything is just, it's perfect, Um, but the idea of, does anybody, does that phrase mean anything to anybody, mutuality? Or does anybody have a definition of it? Is it a word that you've heard of? Because I sure didn't up until maybe like a year ago. Is it beyond just having something in common? Yeah. Mutuality meaning, you know, when you think of missions or a mission trip or something, you think of, oh, there's a group in need. Right. And we're going to go and we're going to give them our resources. We're going to give them what they need to then be lifted up. Whereas a mutuality relationship would be, I've got something that they need, but they've got something that I need. And it is a mutual relationship. <laughs> okay.
0: Right. Get it. <coughs>
1: it's like, give me that milk.
3: <laughs> Like a healthy... Get res- her out of here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a healthy reciprocation, yeah. It's the... It's the having the humility to say... I don't know all the answers. I don't have everything, but even if I have more money than you, that doesn't mean that I'm above you or that I have more wisdom than you. And so, going into that relationship with humility of of um, to gain something from one another, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Not um, expecting anything in return, but just no. recognizing that, like, it's the hierarchy. Yes. It's
1: not. The white saviorism, the white yes, exactly. Not thinking like, well, what can you give to me, instead of instead of that mentality of, well, I'm going to give you, but what's in it for me? Like a
0: transactional.
1: Not a transactional, right?
0: Right. You're not a trans- but a. Relationship.
1: I've got stuff I can share with you, but I cannot wait to hear what you can share with me. You know, the openness. Openness. Yeah. As opposed to the what's in it for me? If I'm going to put in the work, then what are you going to give me in return? It's a. I'm here with open arms. Like, what? You know, you've got things that you can teach me. That's the mutuality part of it. Right. Um, our kind of main verse is First uh, Thessalonians two eight. So deeply we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God but also ourselves because you have become dear to us. And again, loving your neighbor. You know, Josh today, guest speaker Josh. What's Jackson, Josh Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Said it wonderfully that if you, you know, you love your neighbor because of trust, because you've gained this trust with one another, um, and you can't build that trust without a relationship with each other.
0: Right. So I'm, but I'm, and I'm wondering (coughs) as we go back to Proverbs. 1920. Did you do a lot of reflecting on this verse throughout the week? Yeah,
1: I did. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but going back to your story about your work with the nonprofit,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where have you sort of seen <clears throat> this verse at play or this passage at play mm-hmm. in that work with the nonprofit?
1: Um, I would say mainly, so we have a program called well, not called, it's, it's a cohort program where um, right now we are um, teaching entrepreneurs in Uganda, uh, a, it's a business cohort, so, teach, okay. so the first year was give, laying the groundwork of a business. The people that were in the cohort had an idea for a business, but they weren't ready to launch it yet, but they had the idea and so they needed to gain the knowledge to understand what goes into a business. Um, and so uh, through, the, through the past year, we talked, you know, we, not me, I, I'm just, I'm the admin. I'm like, here's your slides, you know, the T, tea, the teachers, um, like how to use Excel, how to budget, how to use Zoom, like very right. practical <clears throat> things, um, how to create a business plan. You know, those are the things that it's not a Western Idea of a business that's being taken to Africa, it's a here just the basics of a business, regardless of where it, it is, you know, in the world. Um, with that program, we also have what's called um, companions. And the, the first idea was that we were going to team up an entrepreneur with a business coach here in the U.S. And it would, be a real, it would be more of a relationship. Instead of a, um, I'm going to help coach you for your business, it would be a, hey, I'm here to like, give you advice. Well, then once we start talking about it, we're like, well, you know what? Let's, let's actually just, if somebody wants to be, um, instead of a coach, why don't we shift it to a companion? <laughs> and it be a relationship, a friendship, a support system. I'm praying for you. Like everybody that's, also everybody that's in the cohort, and you've gone to are also believers. And so it's how can I pray for you? Let's, you know, I know that you were working on this last week. How's it going? And instead of it being a transactional or like I, you know, I've got I've got these things to give to you business wise, it became a relationship. And so, um, a handful of so a year later, after we started the court, a group went back for kind of a graduation of like, you've did it, you've done it, you know, the first year is over. And a lot of the companions also went and they talked about how it felt like, um, it felt like a family reunion, that they had met each other once last year, that they had been talking all year on WhatsApp or Zoom, and they go back and they embraced and they, you know, called each other brother and sister. And just that, that idea of, um, of, a rela- of, of what a relationship can do, someone who actually who is caring for the well-being of someone, for someone to succeed, not necessarily that their business is going to make millions of dollars, but that they're going to, they have a dream and they want to succeed in that dream. And that dream could be, I want to be able to have this business so I can employ my, my neighbors. Yeah. So that my neighbors don't have to go into the other city to get a job, they can stay here in their community and give back to their community, and um, they don't have to go away from their family. They can stay here, kind of thing. So, um, so that's been the experience the past you know year and a half with the with the nonprofit profit of the wisdom that I've learned of. <clears throat> The whole reshaping and rethinking of of a mission. What does a mission trip look like? To go and build a house, like that's great because those people need a house to live in. That's wonderful. But then we leave and we're like, "Bye, enjoy your home. Hope it stays on the mountain." You know, there's no follow up. There's no (laughs) connection. You know, there's no um, there's no relationship (coughs) and. And thinking of loving our neighbor and expanding the kingdom of God, all of it, I feel like all of it and all the Bible and everything that Jesus is teaching is about relationships. And yeah, it's right. about, um, and, and like I know that, and I think we know that. But even just sitting in service today, I thought, how many times have I heard a sermon on the Good Samaritan? And yet I still feel like every time I'm like, yeah, man loving the na- loving your neighbor and your neighbor is not someone who is always just right beside you right. but it could be someone who thinks completely different from you or completely around the world that you're not going to see face to face maybe ever but they're still your neighbor because they're made in the image of God Right. <clears throat> and so why wouldn't we want to lift up people in this world
0: right and I think your story made me think of is oftentimes when we have a mentor or a coach here especially in the modern era we feel that we feel guilt if we don't return the favor down the line
1: yeah
0: or you know we express gratitude in the moment but down the line if we don't sort of share or yeah again return the favor to that coach there's often guilt associated with it But if you're in the mission field and you go up and set up homes or water wells or anything like that, oftentimes you might not be able to come back. So what really matters there, then and there, is imparting that wisdom to someone without expecting um, something in return right Right. away or down the road. Mm -hmm. Because who's to say you're going to see that person again sometime soon? Right. Mm
2: Susan, I'm curious. As someone who also has worked in the like vendor, like providing a service to someone, mm-hmm. how how could how could businesses change if we looked more towards mutuality mm-hmm. other than what I can get from you like scratch my <coughs> scratchers like What i just as you thought have you thought about man if I could have taken this kind of concept back into my Mm -hmm. previous job, what would that Mm -hmm. look
1: like? I think the hard part about that question is that both parties have to be on board with it. And in in the U.S., that's very much the mentality of I do this for you you do it for me and that's how we both succeed and go further um i would love it if i would love it if that were to happen I, i'm just you know in my context in the music industry i think of getting someone on the radio, getting a song on the radio and how hard it is like the songs that you hear on the radio the top 10 like people aren't calling in and saying like hey can you play my favorite song like it's not that anymore it's hey program director like you know you've not played a song in a while <laughs> the program director saying well what kind of streams do you have well we don't really have many streams yet because we can't get on a playlist well, you got to get on the playlist to get more streams. Okay, well, I'll get on the playlist, but I can't get on the playlist pe- until people know my song, and they can't know my song until it's on the radio. And so, if that system is how it is, that's broken and that stinks for the artist. So then, how do you get someone on? Well, how about if you give me overnight spins? This is a real deep dive into how the music <laughs> works. If you do overnight stream, if you do overnight spins on heavy, so that means like every every hour, it's that song's being played overnight, nobody's listening to it but because you have that radio play then you go up on the charts and therefore like oh look streaming service, look how high I'm on the charts, oh we'll get you on it it's just a racket, it is just a racket, I'm not saying I know how to fix it but I'm just saying like that's the reality of of business is, well you've got to prove to me that it's worth me putting my time into and if it's not worthy of my money like if your service isn't worthy of my money then so prove prove that your service is worthy of the money and then I'll give you the money to do the service um, something <coughs> that,
3: I don't know if this fits with the, the question that you had but when you're describing mutuality instead of something necessarily tangible that I would be getting back from somebody mm-hmm. Uh, I think more like mindset attitude. As a therapist, I learn from my clients all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess they're giving money. But, <laughs> but as far as like me <coughs> helping them with whatever different issue, whether it's like anxiety or relationship issues, mm-hmm. something like that, through conversations, there's something that they might say or something that an idea that might pop in my head that never would have happened had I not been having this exchange in yeah. this conversation, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm learning all the time. Yeah. Um. But it's not like I I did this therapy for them. Now they're gonna go change my tire or
1: something. Right. Like that. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I, yeah. That's a pretty. That's kind of where I was
2: going because I, I just got out of the, the IT world. Where I was the vendor liaison, like so, I was constantly working with the vendors, and I constantly struggled with thinking of it as a relationship, because mm-hmm. they say vendor relationship, mm-hmm. but the truth is, it's very much of a like a transactional. Yeah. And you know, when I got out of that industry, I thought, well, I wonder how many people even noticed or cared that I was gone. Yeah. And that's just that, that to me. I cared that I wasn't gonna to get to talk to these people anymore because I had to establish okay. a relationship. And for them, it was it was just someone on a screen. And, and I don't, I'm not <coughs> belittling them because that's the yeah. way the business is. Yeah. I think that that is, that's one way that I'm seeing where mutuality, if we were to approach business, or you know, much less our lives, our day-to-day lives, mm-hmm. if we approach business more mutuality, I'm even thinking, what can I gain from them and what can I get from them just as much as what they can get from me? Not in a using, but in a learning how much tighter relationships would
1: be. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing about about business and the, and the phrases of rel- relational, yeah. relationship liaison. Yeah. Because really, you have to have a good relationship with these people for them to trust you, like Josh talked about, so that even if you said I don't have no idea <coughs> them, but even if you said like look I know that our product is a little bit high, is a little bit more expensive than our competitor but here's what you get you get a one on more person you know and they trust you because you have let you have built that relationship and you have kept to your word which is a valuable thing. But they but on the flip side they may not know that you're gone now. Yeah. And it's not a relationship. That's a tricky thing. I don't, I don't know what other word it would be. But it is. Like, you have to have good relationships to trust one another.
0: So I guess my, <clears throat> my question would be, for you and for everyone else, do you see an ethical component here in this wisdom verse in 1920 with the uh, accept instruction Uh, or listen to advice and accept instruction, you will gain wisdom (coughs) for the future. It's, In other words, what I'm kind of getting at here is it's not so much an informational component or aspect to it, but wisdom always has an ethical and moral Mm -hmm. um, component to it. Like, we we are saturated and fed information every single day, right? Mm -hmm. And half the time we don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the reason why we have so much polarity and conflict. Yeah amongst each other, but the wisdom aspect is synthesizing all of those facts or information and applying it to a concrete situation, mm-hmm. and in your case, working with a nonprofit, you're being fed and working with information all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you go about synthesizing all of that stuff and trying to figure out how to place it in the right context, I guess is what I'm... Did that make sense?
1: Um, <clears throat> maybe say a little bit more. <laughs>
0: so... You work in, with a nonprofit, and yeah. you're constantly working with information, especially as it uh, pertains to, or when you were with the music yeah. uh, business, trying to get those numbers up. Yeah. And oftentimes, yeah. when you're working with people, like in David's situation too, as just transactional relationships. Yeah. But where do you see the ethical side of wisdom, mm-hmm. instead of just using this for your own benefit? Yeah. How do, you, where do, you, do you see any moral component there?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um. So. So, K- Kindred Exchange's former tagline was, um, "We do. We. Our main focus is ethical missions. Which is a. Which is at the heart of it." the idea is we we want to shine a light on organizations or folks who are doing who are doing missions unethically however it it also might come across as saying like well we're the only ones that know how to do it ethically okay so that's kind of a problem i think we're how i phrase it. I think what's important. Well, let me say it this way. One thing that we learned from the entrepreneurs in Uganda is that, um, so this these ten folks are part of the cohort, and whenever they met in person, they went to this cafe and they shut the doors. And if someone was like, "Hey, what y'all doing?" Do they're like, no, "No, no, 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 you can't be in here." very protective of their information of the knowledge that they have and they would always tell us like you all I just the gift that you're giving us with this knowledge like it's you're giving it so freely I don't understand and then on the flip side so we Westerners were like here's the information do something with it well in Uganda they're like oh I'll, I'll share my money with anybody but don't ask me how <coughs> i run my business because or don't ask me the knowledge because they they hold the knowledge really closely so i think um i think that's something that we have that we didn't realize i mean i for sure didn't because i had no context of of cross cultural relationships or anything but <coughs> i think what it is is that we have been. We have access to so much knowledge and resources and all that 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 it's and finances too yeah. in the nonprofit world. Finances being very open and transparent about how we're using our money. Yeah. Like for example, um, there's a company in uh, Missouri who gave us a grant or not a grant but a. Um, mm-hmm. A large donation to work on business a business training curriculum and as the year kind of has gone on we have realized we're not we're probably not gonna go that lane we're gonna go down a different lane so instead of just using that money for whatever we went back to them and said hey this is what you gave us the money for this is where we're pivoting and we want kind of your blessing or we just want you to know that we would rather use this money for something else the transparency and the openness and not being, not being like, oh, X amount's going to, you know, 100% of your money is going towards whatever. It's like, well, it right. can't because you have to pay for the website. You've got to pay for, you know, merchandise or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, there is, there is a, there is money that has to go towards admins stuff, regardless of if you're a volunteer thing or not. Do you know what I'm saying? Right unless you do a campaign that's like 100% and it is, but the transparency, the transparency of it all and just being very conscious and not... It's very easy to hide how you use your money in the nonprofit world. Very easy. Because people can love what the mission is of the nonprofit. And they're like, oh, here's 50 bucks, here's whatever. And then we can kind of do it with whatever we want, you know? So the what's important to to me and and one reason why i have really struggled in the music industry was the whole ethical and moral part of it all of like well let's just do this and then they're not gonna know or just lie to them and they're not gonna know i'm like well i know that's important to me i know that's gonna be on my head you know i don't want to do that i don't know if that answered your question no it did i think one
2: thing the ethics side of it is the, the kind of the second part of <coughs> listen to advice and accept <coughs> instruction. Yeah, I think the accepting instruction for me is a lot harder than listening to advice. I can listen to people tell me what I should do all day long, <laughs> but to actually accept instruction is hard, and I think that's where the, it's not 100% ethical, but I think that is where are you being honest with yourself and are you accepting that you may not know everything and it goes back to the mutuality of are we are we it's it's the white saviorism of early missions Like we're going to go in and we're going to teach everybody how to be Christian without thinking oh how is this going to affect them and how you know what can we learn from them? What can could, what could we see? How can we see Christ in those people? And so I, I think that that is when, when I think of ethics, I think it's honoring that person as someone who can teach you. I think that's where some ethicalness comes in. Yeah. Really valuing them as a person, not just as a someone to save. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, growing up, for those of you, I mean probably within the church or whatever, but or any kind of religious, you know, how do, how do we, you show Jesus by your actions, you know. Well, in the South, everyone m- mostly is kind and nice and polite. So in the South, I always had, a I grew up in Alabama, I've lived in Tennessee, like, I've always had a hard time being like, well, but nobody's asked me why I'm kind. Nobody's asked me like, well, why do you think the way you think? Or why do you act the way you act? Well, I mean, a lot of people act like the way I act because... That's a southern polite lady, you know. But working with someone in Uganda or someone in Laos or someone across the world or someone in New York, you know, or whatever, that's not in our... This is for me personally. For them to be like, why are you... You have all this information that you are sharing freely with us. Why would you do that? The answer being because you are God's creation. And you are... A part of his kingdom and so why wouldn't I share with you so you can thrive that's why that's Jesus you know that's showing Jesus to that person to me that is such a tangible answer now of of why would you do that well because and then that then spreads throughout the world and that person can say I know our culture is very different, and in Uganda, like I'm not, I I wouldn't share with you this information. But you know what? Someone in the state shared it with me, and they shared it with me because they love Jesus, and I love Jesus, and so I'm going to share it with you. And therefore, not to, not, and I and I do not mean that to say that like I'm tr- that Western culture should be in Uganda. That is not what I'm saying. That it should change or anything like that. But it is such a stark difference of how. People around the world interact with one another because of their culture that if something is so contrary then it's easier to say why would you do that why would you share that like that kind of in the same token of like why would you why in your community do you have a community fund like I'm, I'm making this money I, it's my money but over there, it's like, no, 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 I'm making this money that then goes in the community fund, and then there is a group of people who decide who, who needs that money. <clears throat> Which is like, for us, it's like, what? Why would you do that? I've worked so hard. I have all the information. Why wouldn't I hold it on? But do you know what I mean? Whereas maybe that would be, like, if we could flip-flop some of those things of, of a community and how community works with one another, then we all would thrive even better, I bet.
0: Well, so I think you're hitting on something. As uh, in addition to that, is knowledge is power.
1: Yeah.
0: And oftentimes we take that for granted. Mm-hmm. We just want knowledge for knowledge' sake, mm-hmm. and that's why oftentimes we find it hard to gain wisdom and understanding, mm-hmm. because we just want to apply. We just want to read and soak in all the facts, and that's it. There's no end. Yeah. There's no end to learning, right? Mm-hmm. But in the proverbs and and one of the reasons I asked you to share a story is because stories manifest those instances yeah. where wisdom takes place, where wisdom takes shape and form. And that's where you see it play. It's not, it's never theoretical. Mm-hmm. That's why we have a book of Job. That's why it's considered a wisdom book <laughs> because that's embodied in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that learning um, instruction and passing it on, but also being careful with, you know, whom you share it with and yeah. those sorts of things.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I was going to say, were you going to say something? I
3: felt like you had something to say. Well, when you were talking about community fund, would you say that uh, things like taxes or insurance are qualitatively different than what the community fund is?
1: (coughs) How do you mean? What do you mean?
3: Uh, (coughs) Taxes people pay. Right. And then it goes to different resources or insurance. like people pay into the
1: pot, <laughs> right. and then when someone has a hospital, they're all right. money from it. Um, I don't know specifically about those two things. However, I don't, and I don't want to speak to something I'm not, I don't know for sure, like I don't know about taxes or how that all that works, or how that, the government part works. Um, insurance i don't i don't know that they have an insurance system if they do it would be for in the major cities are super wealthy but like in the smaller communities um the smaller towns What like, well i just know for for example one of our our um i don't know what his title would be but basically our ugandan director who is the guy who is um, in charge of the cohort and like keeping everything, the boots on the ground guy in Uganda. His mother was very, very ill and they didn't ha- he didn't have enough money to pay the medical bill. So over here, we, you know, Venmo me if you want, situ- you know, kind of crowdfunded some money to send over there. And then over there, he, it, from what I understand, you just, you kind of submit like a, here's kind of what I need money for. And the committee figures out medical bills. I don't, I don't know the the exact details. All I know is that instead of, I'm sure everybody has individual things, but, um, but it's very much a communal um, community (laughs) where, you know, the opposite of we, I made this money. It's mine. Mm -hmm. It's, I made this money, now here's the pot that it goes into I, I think you know businesses government. are going to be different and different things like that like there's <coughs> there's multi layers to it but that's the idea of a communal As fund. An understanding. I, I think that
2: maybe a difference between the taxes and insurance like the taxes that's something that the United States government has imposed to be a communal like it is a communal yeah. fund some people would see it It's mandatory. But it's mandatory. And the insurance is a choice, but it's more for your own protection than it is for someone else's benefit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that for what it sounds like for the communal fund, the the reason for the contribution is not so I can get something out of it. It's so that to help others who may need that. and I don't know um, I know of many African countries where those here are african citizens who are here in the states where they have that for funerals because funerals here are so expensive that they all pay into a fund so that when someone passes away that is that is one less thing they have to take care of and so i, I think we see it to some degree when it comes to like, go fundings and, and and that that pulling together our resources but again it's a it's a communal thing of choice. It's a out of excess, out of desire to give, and I'm not sure any of us could say that paying our taxes is out of a desire to give. So <laughs> so almost yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
4: are you in ginger? Yeah. Okay, so there is a show on Netflix right now. Yeah. The White Savior movie. Yeah. Or series about that yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, I suggest everybody watch it. (coughs) Yes. It's very interesting to it it gives the perspective of the people who live there. Yes. And I just a lot of it is color based, which really makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Um I just feel like sometimes being white people, Caucasian, whatever, we just can't do anything right. It's like it's, it's either they don't like it because we're white, right, or mm-hmm. we're trying to do something, or kind of, and I know that's historical and whatever, mm-hmm. but I just wonder, like, if a black church, just, this is just a question, mm-hmm. if a black church did a mission trip over mm-hmm. there, would they be more open than all the what, these Caucasian sure. young girls, yeah. like my daughter did it. My yeah. daughter went yeah. to, on several mission trips. Yeah. Um, and I know it's very good-hearted, but it makes me sad that the people over there. Uh, did you watch the show?
1: I haven't yet, but I. Ha- but Lauren, who's one of the co-founders, is knows her fairly well just through the different girl, the girl they did to mount just through different things. and, and part, <coughs> this is
4: what hit me too. They were they were sitting outside this store in in Ginger, and there was a um, mannequin with some clothes on it. And this little boy goes, that mannequin has to be, it should be white. I don't like that white mannequin. It should be black because mm-hmm. only black people should be here. And I'm like, wow. That says a lot. I just and I don't know. We can't change. We can't change our color. Sure. Sure. But how do we? How do white people gain trust with them? Yeah.
1: And I, I guess that's just a problem. That we well.
4: Have that what is the show called? You should watch
1: it. I think it's called White Saviorism. White I Savior. Think. I'm
4: pretty, I am pretty. And I don't so. even like that term, White Savior. To me, that's like kind of racist. Because I don't think everybody who, who helps people there wants to be a Savior. Sure, I don't think sure. that's all necessarily people's intent. Sure. I, I th- think it's just another buzzword.
3: Does, it, does that refer at all to people assuming Jesus is white or something?
1: Um, no, it's more of a nod to Westerners going to underprivileged, uh, I'm trying to think of the phrase, third world is not appropriate anymore, but now I'm, I can't. What's it called? It's called something world. It's a different word um, yeah, sure. and, now. And, and thinking that we can, we have something that you don't, and so I'm in here to, to help you to, to, we to bring do. you up. <coughs> we've, got food, we've got things that they need.
4: So we kind of do have something that they don't have. We're trying to help them. So that's why I'm kinda like
1: so here's so, I'm at, so here's. so so here's. Oh no, older no no no! And here's. So
4: yeah. It's kind of like I think most people who go of do little bit a good intention yes you're right
1: you're right they are, do have a good intention yes, right. Right. Do know, how good do we bit those
4: people that just because a skin is
1: a not have mm-hmm. we don't have of a little bit sure them. how do we do that? So here's, um, it's, it's years and years and years of, of white folks and that could be English, Australian, right. you know, whatever, Caucasian, Caucasian going into, into spaces where they don't have food, they don't have houses and I'm going to bring something to you that you don't have and then they leave. And that's it. There's no um, teaching, there's no lifting up, there's no relationships. No, um, sustainability. no sustainability. And I think that's why that's one reason why perhaps going into an African town, into Jinja, <laughs> and seeing a group of white folks and it's like, great, here's more here's just more white folks. Another example is Lauren, one of our co-founders, she and her family lived in Laos for five, I think five years. And um, a lady that she became really close with, they started a business there together to help um, bring um, women out of trafficking to, for, to have jobs so they could get out of that world. Um, her friend asked her, maybe a couple years after being there, she said, so, her friend he was Laos said, so all of these Missionaries that are coming in. We help them go to the grocery store. We help them navigate the language. We teach them and their children the language. We um, help provide their housing. They, we clean their houses, all these things. Um, and then they leave. Are they missionaries? And Lauren was like, yeah. She's like, well, because they didn't once talk about Jesus. But they wanted to bring their information to us to help build us up. It's a it's a it's a people don't want them to talk about Jesus because then that makes it like a religious thing. Well I mean there's there's a nuance to it. Right. I think the the idea is that the idea is is the mentality of I have something that you don't have, so I'm gonna come to you so that you can be a better person. As opposed to I have something that you don't have, but what do you have that you can teach me? That's the mutuality. That's that's the whole thing of, well, I have some resources that you don't have, but boy, your experiences of your life that you have lived, what can you teach me about life, about struggle, about, about hardship, about endurance, about well, all these things? But isn't that why we send our <laughs> high school kids to Central America, <coughs> if we're honest?
2: It's not to regroup some fact. It's so our high school kids realize the world is not like sure. friendly, right? Absolutely. So, so, in other words, there's mutuality there, yes. where it gets corrupted.
1: Well, well, hold, hold on. It's yeah. not mutuality because the people that we go build houses for, they don't know that that's what they're, that we're there for. We're not saying, we're not saying, hey, I'm bringing my students to you so that you can teach them the world is bigger. It's that's what we're telling our students. We're saying. This is going to be, any time our students come yeah. back and say, I got way more than than they, you know, out of this, than I'm sure that they did. That's not a mutuality. That's still a selfish thing. And I agree, because I've struggled with that. Okay, it's a transactional yeah. thing. Yeah, I agree yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, from that standpoint. Right. If I define mutuality that way, in might have
2: a voice. So, but when yeah. we're, maybe when we're. And I don't know, I just observed that. I thought about that. Because yeah. I've said the same thing. Yeah. We've done it with our kids and like you could just go down to Ohio neighborhood gone, in Nashville yeah. and do the same thing without right. spending a thousand dollars on an airplane. Train, right, right. 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 Yeah. But,
1: had I not gone to Mexico or Honduras when I was in high school and high school and then in college, yeah. My my mind would be North Alabama, you know, <coughs> Tennessee. So you're right that that. Is it wrong to send high schoolers to Honduras to help build houses? No, but is it completely right? I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm. Could
1: it could be better. It could be, be-, it could be better. Yeah. I think that's the point. I think that's the point of this whole conversation is, <clears throat> is it wrong? No. Could it be better? Absolutely, absolutely. Another conversation that we had, um, on a, on our podcast from last season was um, a lady who she was in. Now I'm trying. I can't think of what country she was in. In in Africa, but she went and um, and worked at a school, and they had it was for um, to get kids off the street. and, you know, think a maiden streets situation. Can you say? kind of thing and they had a soccer program a really robust soccer program but there were also you know if you didn't show up to practice there was a consequence you know it was, it was a learning experience it wasn't just like oh here's right. some stuff to play in it was a we're going to help you be a we're going to help your character grow your character and so she was out there she was a white woman you know all African folks the coaches were are African all these things and this SUV drives up with four white men that come out. They're like, who wants Gatorade? Who wants so- Who wants soccer balls? And they just like handing out, who wants oranges? And they're handing out all these things. And they're like, okay, have a great time. See ya. And they left. And the chaos and the fighting and the the um, bullying because someone didn't get the Gatorade that they wanted. Someone took the, the brand new ball and I've got to play like, it completely deconstructed everything that they were building. So that is the mentality. That's the idea that we're trying to shift is that it's not that I have soccer balls to give to these kids who have a torn-up soccer ball. Right. That's not it. Yeah, no, that's different. That's, that's, different. that's not it.
3: Yeah.
1: It's the same idea as, as adults. Like, oh, you don't have a house to live in. I'm so sorry. I'm going to come build you a house. Goodbye. Have we taught them a skill? Have we? And I'm not. This is a very. I'm not saying that this is what it should be, but I just mean like, what's the sustainability? I'm going to come and give you food. Wonderful. Well, it's the teach the. You know, teach the person to fish. You know, how do we? Yeah. We can go in and we can. You know, for this cohort, we can go in and say, okay, here's five thousand dollars to start your business. Good luck. We Americans can do that. We're we're very wealthy. We can crowdfund that in an instant. But what are they gonna, they don't have the knowledge to, to run a business right now, but they've got $5,000, what are they gonna do with it? They're gonna, you know, this well, is a generalization. Right. But like, if they don't have the knowledge to sustain it, that's where the mutuality part comes in. That's the, I care more about you and your life than I do about what's happening right now. I want you, I want you to thrive Because when you thrive, your community thrives. And when your community thrives, the world thrives. And if we believe that the earth is all the kingdom of God and that every person is a part of this kingdom of God, then why wouldn't we want to help people have the tools? And then on the flip side, receive the tools so that we can then love our neighbor in a way better way here in Nashville than we would have ever been able to had we not learned the lesson from the person in Uganda or Laos or Kenya. Well,
0: and I think we were kinda of getting at it as well in that is wisdom is global, it's yeah. international, yes. but it's also local. Yes. And oftentimes we skip the local and want to go out to the outskirts yeah. right away yeah. when we miss the people that are down the street from yes. us. Yeah. People that are in East Nashville. Yeah. Those sorts of things, yeah. and there's wisdom to be found in found in those little pockets, yeah. um, which is something we oftentimes take for mm-hmm. granted, right? Yeah. But yes, and there's there's both sides to it. I'm um, mm-hmm. looking at the time oh, now. Yeah, we're we're, no, we're, at, we're, we're at running time. out. But um, Susan, thank you for yeah, for teaching class today. Having, I I appreciate having. your stories and mm-hmm. the wisdom yeah, okay. gained from from your stories today. Yeah. Would you mind leading us in prayer to close sure, out?
1: Sure. Yeah. <coughs> God, we come to you humbly today, with open hearts and open minds of everything that you can teach us, the wisdom that you have for us, if we are willing to listen. We pray that that you give us the knowledge to love our neighbors well. We pray that you keep our hearts open to receiving your word and your wisdom every day. I pray that that we remain humble to know that there's so much more that we don't know and with knowledge can come a change a change in our hearts a change in our actions a change in our words and I just pray that that you bless us with all of those things with kindness and patience and understanding and love so that we may be those things to other people to help your kingdom spread across the world, dear God. Um, Thank you for this space. Thank you for this class. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people that that have come here today, may not have wanted to be here today, but are here, and may they receive a blessing from you, dear God, from a song, from a prayer, from a scripture, from a lesson. Bless us as we go throughout our day to be the light in the world that you have called us to be. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.
3: Amen. All right. Thank you all for coming.